0: Welcome to week two of our series called Mind Games. The reason behind our series is that because everyone's mind from time to time likes to play tricks on us, right? And it likes to play games with us. And those games can keep us from the life that God has designed for us. And so in this series, we are learning how to win the game with our mind. If you remember, and we're here last week, Uh, you'll remember uh, just that we talked about the fact that your thought life eventually becomes your life, right? Your thought life eventually becomes your life. What you think, you eventually become. And there's a way that we can use that to our advantage, that because our minds can only hold so much information at once and focus on so many things at once and some things we think are automated and some things we start to think that, yeah, we got this under control. We really know how to do that. The key is by continually thinking, am I absolutely sure that this is right for me? And taking that to the truth of God's word, we begin to open ourselves To his truth and begin to have our mind renewed. And so we started to talk about that last week. We kind of introduced the idea of renewing our minds with the truth of God. And here's the thing about that. That's great when you really feel like doing it, right? But there are times you just don't feel like you can. There are times in our lives, there are times in our Christian lives, there are times as we're investigating Christianity, if we're not a Christian yet, that we're just not feeling it. We're just not feeling what we should be thinking. And sometimes our minds like to use our emotions to play games with us. You don't have to raise your hand, I'll do it for you. But how many of you have ever woken up on a Sunday morning and thought, hmm, I wonder if I really have to go to church today. Wonder if I could, you know, if I could just, Maybe I'll turn it on the TV. I'll put it on the computer and I'll have it on. And I, I, it'll, be just, it'll be just like I know it when I come in person. And, but look at all these dishes. Look at oh, There's something I could do over here. And oh, my phone. And oh, my friend just texted me and I can answer and so on and so on, right? You go to church sometimes in those moments when you don't feel like it. And the service just doesn't click with you. The message doesn't vibe, it doesn't engage, it doesn't help you. The the, um, the message doesn't speak. So your mind wanders. Again, without raising your hand, I'll just do it for you. How many of you have thought sometimes in church, <laughs> When when is this over? I want to get on with the rest of my day. I got other stuff I want to do. Truth be told, there are some days I get up on a Sunday morning and think, can someone else do this, please? (laughs) Can someone else take this? Can someone else run with this? I get that. And that's such a weird confession. My point is that we all have these moments where our emotions don't line up with our thought life. As a Christian, there's probably been times in your life when you, you know you want to spend daily time in God's word, but you open it up and you're just, oh, I'm not feeling it today. You try to pray and your mind starts to wander. You wonder if this is really having an impact. There are times in life, just with our emotions, not just even specifically for Christians, but for every person where we feel anxious or numb because of what's going on in our lives. Maybe there's something coming up in the day ahead or there was an interaction that we had uh, the day before that just makes us feel like we're really wound up or we really have a hard time working up energy to even care. And life has that tendency, right? It has a tendency that it's going to get overwhelming at periods. There's going to be unmet desires and needs that we have, health needs, uh, health desires, family needs, family desires, financial needs, financial desires, or, or work needs and work desires. Uh, maybe it's just things are out of control and you just look at the world and you go, I'm having a real hard time caring. Or you care so much, you're just overwhelmed and overwhelmed and agitated and you can't sense That there's an end to it. There's no peace. Over the last month, I found it very interesting. You know that uh, one of the things that we do with uh, uh, planning, uh, preaching, calendar that, that I do here for the church is that I often plan it months in advance. And I kind of have an idea of what we'll be doing at what time. And the neat thing about planning it that far in advance is that there are things that start to happen where I go, okay, God, you're clearly up to something. So months in advance, I was thinking this series, Mind Games, coming in after our Easter series. And it's interesting that the last month or so, I have had more phone calls from people in our church who are frustrated frustrated because of everything that they're doing and nothing seems to be working in their lives. And it's just energy output, energy output, energy output and they can't get a break and everything's riding on them and they're just frustrated and they they break down in tears. I have had more phone calls in the last month than I did over the whole year of lockdown. I've talked to people who are frustrated who are ready to give up. I talk to people who are frustrated, who are ready to blow up. Have you ever felt like that? Feel like you're about to explode or shut down? Just shut down because your mind is overloaded with pressure. Absolutely. The mind is like a car engine. I didn't drive my car for months. I didn't need to. I just walked to church and went back home. and That was it. I never went anywhere. A couple of months ago, I needed to go somewhere for the first time in a long time. And I went and got in my car and pressed the ignition switch. And my car said, nothing. Just sat there. And it's a hybrid, so it starts quietly anyways. And I thought, okay, let's just start driving. But there were no lights on the dashboard, no nothing. And I went, what is wrong with this? It had sat there for so long, the battery was dead. And sometimes our minds, because of all of the pressure, we just shut down for so long, we wonder, how can I move forward? How can we move forward? How can my mind re-engage? We're going to talk about that today. There was another time that I had a a car engine issue or more of a car issue, and it was the exact opposite. I was driving uh, in Toronto on one of the the highways there, and so picture a a major metropolitan city, uh, four lanes of traffic, five lanes of traffic, all going the same direction and on the other side, another four to five lanes. And then all of a sudden, the car started to accelerate like I had slammed my foot on the pedal. I didn't do anything, but the car just lurched forward. That was a moment of panic. (laughs) And as I thought, what is going on? What is happening? I tapped the brakes, slowed down a bit, but you could hear the engine fighting it. I took my foot off the brake. Car started to accelerate again. I tapped the accelerator to see if it was stuck, right? Sometimes it could get stuck under a floor mat. Nothing didn't change. So I went, well, what else causes acceleration in the vehicle? And I thought, cruise control. And I looked over at the cruise control, and it was on. And I went, I wonder, I wonder. So I flipped it off, and the car slowed down. It turns out that there was a short in the cruise control mechanism that all cruise control options have hand controls for you to accelerate and decelerate to take the cruise control off and then re-engage it once you've passed a vehicle or you get behind a slow vehicle, that sort of thing. Mine just all of a sudden thought, we're going, baby, and we, we just took off down the road to the point where the vehicle got to 150 kilometers an hour. It's Canada, but it was clipping. Thankfully, I drove at that speed all the time, so it wasn't a problem. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's, not, that's not true. I did not drive at 150 kilometers an hour. But Sometimes our minds are like that. When the pressures of life come, our minds just accelerate. We can't sleep. We can't focus. We feel like we're always on edge, like we're just burning energy, burning energy. And we take it out on relationships around us and people around us and work and all of that. Is there hope for when our brains tell us to stop? And is there hope for when our brains won't stop? Is there a way for us to have peace? Is there a way for us where instead of our feelings controlling our thoughts... Is it possible that we, it can work the other way around, that our thought life can contain, can shape our emotions? I think it's possible. And I think the Apostle Paul shows us how. The church planner, he wrote this great letter to a group of people uh, in Philippi, and he called his letter uh, the letter to the church in you know, Philippi, the Philippians. Letter And so, if you have a Bible with you, turn with me in them to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at a pretty famous verse. If you grew up in church, you know this one really well. Philippians 4, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says this. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, he says, if you want to have peace, the way to engage your mind or to slow your mind way down is to change how you think, to think about excellent and praiseworthy things. And here's the implicit truth behind that. Here's what Paul is saying. Your mind has a fuel source. And your emotions would love to be that fuel source. They want to come in and they want to charge it up or shut it down. In other words, it's like feeding your mind junk food on occasion. But here's what Paul says. You get to choose the fuel. You get to choose the food for thoughts, for your thoughts that you put into your mind. You can choose what you focus on. And if you set a priority to focus on excellent and praiseworthy things, something good will happen. Well, what does he mean by excellent and praiseworthy things? Well, he describes them for us, right? He says them right in the verse. He says that whatever is true. And when he says truth, what he's talking about is are things that are valid, reliable, honest. And sometimes our feelings are none of those, right? They're not valid, they're not reliable, and they're not honest. And so he says, this is just basically the opposite of false. Focus on things that are true. He says, whatever is noble. And... When he says noble, what he's talking about is things that are honorable. What inspires reverence, respect for character. Because these are things that just inspire you. We saw some of this uh, in the recent uh, memorial service for Prince Philip, if you watched any of those highlights. You've seen any of the pictures of uh, uh, the queen and the prince together for so long. Those types of things go, wow, that's, that's incredible, that, that that's noble, that's honorable, that they would be committed to each other in public service and in public life for all of that time from such a very young age until now. I think the queen is turning 95 this year. That's incredible. So whatever is noble, whatever is right, and what he's talking about here is whatever is righteous, whatever is just, talks about whatever is pure. I think he's talking about moral purity. Whatever is lovely. Things that are pleasing or acceptable. And he says whatever is admirable. Whatever is attractive. What, what holds to the highest standard? Look to that and focus on that. And then he, has, he says this, which I find really interesting. Whatever those things are, true and uh, noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, whatever things are excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. And why does he say that? Because our minds tend to focus on the other stuff. He has to make this a command, which I find really fascinating. But if you look at how the Uh, the evening news works. The evening news works in the exact opposite. And it feeds us these things of of fear, these things of, this is why this story is worthy. And then at the very, very end, they'll kind of tell us a feel-good story. And Paul says, think differently than that. Look for excellent and praiseworthy things in the world. Think on them. And when he says, think on them, the word that he uses is not like, yeah, that's lovely. And then going back to whatever it is that we were doing, or yeah, that's noble. And going back to whatever we were doing, or yeah, that's pure. That's, that's wonderful. That's just great. Uh, And then going back to whatever it is we're doing. No, he says, mull them over, sift them in your mind. Why is that lovely? What do I like about that? And so on and so on. No snap judgments of things, but ponder them. Slow down and focus your thoughts on these things. Take the time to do it. And he says, if you do this, you train your brain. You train your brain. And this is not easy to do. It is far easier to Be reactive and want to hear, hey, did you hear the news about so-and-so? Tell me more, right? We instinctively want to hear gossip. We instinctively want to hear the latest news, the latest insider information. And Paul says, instead of feeding your mind that, which will either shut your mind off or it will put your mind into overdrive, he says, slow down and Slow down and train your brain to think about excellent and praiseworthy things. If you follow me on social media, uh, you know that I take pictures. I take pictures of really three things. uh, Well, four things. My family, um, and that includes the dog. I don't take pictures of the cat, uh, but we take pictures of the dog. Um, We take pictures of, of birds. And the bird feeders out in the back of the yard at the parsonage. Uh, We take pictures of bonfires. Uh, Every time there's a bonfire, we immediately take a picture. And then the fourth thing that I take pictures of is sunsets. Those are the things. And the sunsets all have a similar location. I don't know if you've noticed that. If you follow me on social media, you know where I am when I take the picture of the sunset. I go out on the front deck of the parsonage, which is right over there right over there in the house next door to the church. And I take a picture of the sunset over the steeple of this building. And I do that for a particular reason. For me, it is a reminder of God's creativity and his splendor and his greatness. And that that is tied to his creativity and his splendor and his greatness that he wants to display here in our midst in our lives. That's just for me personally. That's one way that I do that. So we'll be sitting down, we'll be watching TV, and all of a sudden I'll just get up, wander outside, and take a photo. I'll text it to my wife, and she'll post it. That's what we do. I take photos of sunsets over the church because it's a way for me to train my brain to focus on excellent and praiseworthy things. And God's creation is an excellent and praiseworthy thing. Amen? And especially here in Rochester, when it's spring and warm, and summer and warm, and fall and not too cold, to walk out and take those pictures. It is wonderful. It's one of the best places I've ever lived to be able to see that on a regular basis. So what Paul is saying here is that we can train our brain and we can start to recognize that things are not excellent and praiseworthy. And we can say, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on something else. It's like God says, I'm going to give you a remote for your brain. Feel free to change the channel when you need to. We can intentionally do that. Now. All I have described is the following. There is power in thinking positively, right? That's what I've explained. And if that's what you've heard and you think, well, nope, that's not biblical, that's not true, that's not... Uh, let, me, let me show you how I know that there is real power in thinking positively, in thinking about the excellent and praiseworthy things, especially excellent and praiseworthy things of Jesus of the Lord, of what he wants to do, of what he has done, of what his character is. I think we saw this together as a church. If you participated, if you remember uh, way back when, when we participated together in the study of the book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, That book uh, taught an ancient tradition uh, from uh, the monastic order, um, from the church fathers called the daily office. And the daily office was simply taking a few minutes each day, uh, probably around mealtime, but morning, noon, and night, where you would just take two minutes, put everything aside, and focus on one thing about the character of God. And I can remember talking to people who said, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, to sit in silence for two minutes, not moving, and try to think of just... Here's something about who God is. He is my heavenly father. God is love. Jesus loves me. And just sit there and meditate on that thought and not have your mind race to, is the refrigerator making a noise? Why is that phone ringing over there? I hear a dog barking six blocks away. Like all of a sudden we develop superhuman senses when we try to practice this. So every person who took the class said, this is really, really difficult when we first started. And by the end of the class, those who had gotten into a rhythm of that still talk about that today. The ability to pause and take time and just think, I am not focused on my circumstances all of the time. I am going to take time each day and just think of the character of God, the character of Jesus. And it has changed them. And that is amazing. That's positive thinking because we are thinking about the truth of God and all of the positive things that he is and has for us. It also works on the negative side too, right? Have you ever um, thought to yourself, I just need to get off social media for a little bit? Man, I just need to close it down. Stuff I'm reading, stuff I'm seeing, I just got to close this down. I got to shut it off. I got to move away. Experts tell us that uh, before we go to bed, we should turn off our phones an hour earlier. Why? Because we need to detox from all of the information we're getting and all of the things that people are posting and all that they're sharing. If we go to bed with the glow of our phones... The experts tell us that we will not be rested physically. And how many of you over just the last year had to get off social media because of all of the things that you were reading and seeing, and you just went, I can't take anymore. I need a break. I've got to turn it off. I've got to turn off the news. I've got to turn off Facebook or Twitter. I've just got to get away. I need a day without social media. Because you want to refocus and recenter your mind. On what matters. You know that if you spend all your time on Facebook, that builds anxiety, doesn't it? Spending a little bit of time, not an issue. Too much time. And it just, you get tense after a while. Maybe days, maybe weeks, but it comes. And so we need to detox from these things. Because some of the things we encounter on social media and watch on the news are not focused on the excellent and praiseworthy things in the world. Remember, your thought life eventually becomes your life, so choose what you feed your mind. Give yourself good food for thought. Which, I know for certain, you are wondering... How do I do this? Some of you were wondering, mostly this side. Let's try that again. Uh, at, at home, join us on as well. One, two, three. That is a great question, Church. Because sometimes is it not true that this is easier said than done? Isn't it true that sometimes when we just when someone tells you, ah, just think about something else? How? Like, if I really am focused on steak, and I really want a steak, and my wife says, we're not having steak tonight, we're having fish. I'm still thinking about steak. I'm not thinking about fish. How do we then train our mind to go and think about something else? How do we do this? It is easier said than done, so what can we do? The trick to this verse is that it's not just a nice thing to put on a coffee mug. There's a way that we can put that into action for today that builds our future. And it's the very next verse. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me. This is Paul writing to the Philippians, you remember. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice and read this part with me. And the God of peace will be with you. You will have God's peace. Not only do we fuel our minds with excellent and praiseworthy things, look to excellent and praiseworthy people to follow. Look to the examples of others. What are they teaching? What are they sharing? What are they doing? There's godly people who are experts in the things that you want to grow in, in these excellent areas, who are lovely people, who are noble people, and you can learn from them. You can learn from the books they've written. So they could be dead, and you could still be learning the lessons that they learned. You can sign up for podcasts. You can go to seminars. You can go to classes, like live classes, in a couple of Thursdays. You can go to support groups. You can get mentors. You can get counselors. You can get experts. You don't have to think that you have to go it alone when you train your brain. You can leverage godly leaders who are around you, who you want to be like, and you can leverage them to become godly. Paul never said to the Philippian church, hey, you you know what? You just got to be loving. You got to focus on what's lovely. Just get to it, get at it, and you know, and I'll see you on the other side. He showed up, and he taught them, and he modeled it for them, and he wasn't perfect in any way. But that's a pretty bold statement, don't you think? To say, Anything you've learned from me, anything that's been helpful in all of these virtues, in these character transformation issues, you put that into practice if you saw that in me. Just do what I do. It'll click. It'll work. That's why we come together as the people of God. Leverage godly people around you to become godly, and the peace of God will be with you. And you can do this directly and indirectly for the short-term, and for the long-haul. Uh, my family and I, we watched a YouTube video yesterday on how to build a fire pit. And we already built a fire pit, so I wanted to critique the video, which was great. And they did a way better job on the, on the uh, fire pit than we did. They also built like a giant patio where they could put chairs around on the ground, which was just fantastic. And I went, yeah, I'm not doing that. but. Um, It was amazing. And and the thing in the video that they taught, which was really neat, was, hey, we kept making this mistake. Don't do that. Do this. We're not pros. We're bros, was the point of the, the little slogan of the video. But that's the thing that caught me the most, was that they weren't professionals saying, look at me. I'm perfect. Follow me and keep in step the entire way. They weren't professionals. They were brothers. They were bros. And he said, one of the things I learned on this project was that it was way better to have someone there with me. Helping hand me the uh, the paving stones so that I could get the right ones and helping do all of the work. It just made it so quick and we were able to talk and dialogue and say, no, I think it needs to go like this. I think this needs to happen. That's the really good kind of relationship that we can have with a teacher or a pastor or a, a godly leader. A counselor, if we need to go to counseling, I am so glad that leaders today are are kind of discovering that that mental health matters and that you don't need to handle and try to overcome mental health issues on your own, that you can seek a doctor, that you can seek a, a Christian counselor who can help you process these things. I am so encouraged that people are doing that, that they're not afraid to get the help that they need. I grew up in a tradition where it was, it was weakness. It wasn't, you didn't have faith if you didn't you know, just say that, hey, no matter what comes, I'm going to be fine. Well, there were days you weren't sure if you were going to be fine. The tide was indeed rising and your boat wasn't floating. And so nowadays people go and get the help that they need and it's not the stigma that there was in the past and that is so encouraging. Because what Paul is talking about here is a shortcut. Oh, I love shortcuts. When I start a new project and I say someone, you know, emails me something and says, hey, just look at this spreadsheet. And I open the spreadsheet and the numbers just sort of float on the page. They kind of move around and rotate. And I go, I have no idea what this is. And they go, okay, so there's three things you need to know. And they walk me through three steps and the whole document just unlocks for me. It just makes sense. Oh, that's what you're doing. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's perfect. I get it. I can do this. I can take this little shortcut and that will help. That's what we can do with each other when we look to excellent and praiseworthy people. Now, you do need to put what you see and learn into practice, right? It's not just enough to be around godly people. You need to let them have access into your life, make suggestions in your life that you may go, hey, whoa, hands off, buddy. That's a little too close. That's a little too personal. Why are you recommending this? But as we let God have access to our lives through his people, we begin to surround ourselves and feed our minds with excellent and praiseworthy things simply because we surrounded ourselves and looked to excellent and praiseworthy people. We gain the peace of God when we fill up our minds with the right fuel, with the right food. And we do that by thinking of excellent and praiseworthy things and by following excellent and praiseworthy people. Now, I mentioned that you can do this right now and you can do this for the long haul. In our announcement time, I mentioned that I'm part of an organization called Church Fuel. I'm just a member. I'm not a teacher or an instructor there. But I go there because I want to learn practical tips. I want to know more shortcuts about how to lead a church more effectively, especially in a post-COVID pandemic environment. And then one of the courses that they offer for pastors is a course called the leadership course. I'm like, great, this is perfect. And the first course is about leading yourself. In that leadership course. And this is what they say in the leadership course. The lead yourself first. You will never find someone harder to lead than yourself. You will never find someone harder to lead than you. The hardest person to lead is you. You have to be intentional about choosing to think about excellent and praiseworthy things. And you have to be intentional about looking to excellent and praiseworthy people. How can you do that? Well, at the end of this particular course, the lead yourself first, they offer this personal growth plan. This personal growth plan sets out some goals, gives you an option for three They recommend no more than three, and I actually think that three is too many. But then they say, so how are you going to solve that? What books are you going to read? What podcasts are you going to listen to? What conversations do you need to have with people in order to grow in that excellent area you want to grow in? What coaching are you going to get? What conferences are you going to? Miscellaneous, what other things do you want to do? In my personal growth plan at the beginning of this year, I put down, I want to learn to be a better relational pastor. I'm a systems pastor. I design systems and programs and events, and that's really easy for me. It is difficult for me to be, to be outgoing and to be extroverted all of the time. But I want to grow in that area. And so who do I need to talk to? What do I need to read? How do I listen? who, Who do I need coaches by? And I have some conversations that once COVID gets a little bit more open and I can take some people out for lunch. I've got some pastors on my list that I want to take out for lunch and say, you're really good at this. Help me. What are some of the things that you remember as you think about this? I want to learn in these areas. I could easily put on music or video games, if TV, sports. Instead, I choose, actually, I think I need to listen to this podcast today. And so I choose to prioritize these things. Am I perfect at it? No. Are any of the conferences that I want to go to even happening? No. But there are things that I know I need to do, I need to invest in, because I am the hardest person I will ever lead. And Paul knows that. But he says, I get to choose. God's given me the remote as to what I will fill my mind up with. Will I fill it with excellent and praiseworthy things? Things of character transformation. And will I look to excellent and praiseworthy people? That sheet is actually available to you. If you're watching online, Uh, Your host has probably already linked it in chat or is just linking it in chat now where you can go and you can print this off. I've given it to the whole church for free. If you're here with us in person, don't worry. We're going to tie this to the sermon message so you can go to the most recent message on our website and there will be documents here uh, where you'll be able to see this, download it for yourself and work through it. And if you do, let me know. Because I'd love to support you in your personal growth plan through prayer and any other way that I can. As you look to fill your mind, to fuel it, to feed it with excellent and praiseworthy things. Love to help surround you with excellent and praiseworthy people as you do that. We gain the peace of God when we fill up our minds with the right food. Amen? Some questions for you, which may help you as you process this food for thought. Here they are. Number one, review the list of virtues listed in Philippians 4, verse 8. What stories and examples come to your mind when you think of these things? Two, who are people who have directly or indirectly helped you put these things into practice, these virtues? Who has helped you? Tell those stories of those people who are excellent and praiseworthy. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for the fact that you have given us the remote. You have given us the remote to choose what we fill our mind with. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to fill our mind with excellent and praiseworthy things, the things of character. As we read this list, Lord, we can't help but think of you. We can't help but think of Jesus. There is no one who is more true, more noble, more excellent, more praiseworthy. And yet you've also surrounded us with examples of other Christians, of other people who are excellent and praiseworthy. Who have the character of Christ in them, who we can learn from, who we can follow behind, who we can walk with. And so we thank you for this. And I pray, Lord, now that we've been given the remote and we know that we can fill our minds so that our emotions don't control our thoughts, but rather our thoughts shape our emotions. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do whatever is necessary to begin a plan of growth in these excellent and praiseworthy things. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this food for thought. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.